filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Hey, hey, welcome in. No cold open this week. We are very excited to jump straight into things because DC United have now played a preseason game. That means the run-up to the 26th season of MLS and the 10th season of Filibuster is well and truly on. And we are very happy to uh, welcome a good friend back to the show tonight. You know him from ESPN soccer coverage, MLS, women's soccer, lots of other things. Um, Real ones remember him from CSN Washington and the Capital Soccer Show. Uh, You can catch him now on the brand new Football Americas on ESPN+. His name is Sebastian Salazar. He'll always be Seb Nasty to me. Welcome back to Filibuster. Hey, great to be with you, boys. Always good to be with friends. How you guys been? Been good. Been good. What are you drinking tonight? So um, I'm up here in the Northeast, just uh, about a nine-hour from the uh, ESPN Bristol campus. So I went down to the hotel bar and asked them to give me something local. It's a Sea Hag IPA. Um, it had an interesting name. It was local, so I'll support the local economy. We'll see how it goes. All right, it's taking a, a sip now. It's not a shandy, yeah. so yeah. I no, like, that's right. I, I like that we're doing in like the middle of winter with you guys one time. Yeah, yeah you had a shandy yes. that you opened on the show, and then you threw it out it. in the yeah, middle like, of the, the episode no and got another yeah. beer. I was like, I don't want to <laughs> suffer anymore. I'm not going to do is this. This is becoming <laughs> this a is good. Theme. This is good. The, you're you're rolling the dice with a uh, drink you've never had before. I know. Um, well, I think I said it here before. I'm not a huge drinker, so, and I'm always kind of scrambling for that. I literally got to right. the hotel just before we recorded, so I didn't have too much time down at the bar. I was like, can I get a this, that? I was like, I got to get back out. Uh, tonight we are, we're talking with Sebi, and we are also going to talk about DC United's first preseason game and some, uh, some, some other preseason here's and there's. Uh, before we get to anything else, though, I got to ask Jason and Ben what they are drinking. I guess I skipped the whole introduction, didn't I? Yeah, this is we're, filibuster. We're, you did. It's all out of sorts. I'm out of sorts. We're, we're changing the order of things right as we hit the button to record. Uh, yeah, this is filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, <laughs> as always. Our guest is Sebastian Salazar, which you already know. Uh, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I before we, before Sevi got on here, I opened my beer. Uh, it it like foamed up in a very strange way, which I showed Adam and Ben. <laughs> Uh, until it, it, it finally foamed up enough where it started to run down the side and I had to sort of scramble to not spill beer everywhere. Uh, I have a uh, unibrow ephemer. Uh, I'm not pronouncing the French right. I apologize to our French-speaking listeners. Um, it's They've got like a line of fruit flavors, and this is just like the one that's the ran, random one in the pack. Um, apparently, this is the uh, blueberry flavor. They've got like pear, apple, currant. They got like 20 of them. Um, and apparently it's like a mystery when you open the box, what you're going to get. And this was, uh, what I said. So yeah, it's not bad. It's all right. Good. Uh, I am drinking a vodka soda. Uh, I, 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 I 
any citrus in didn't want to continue to do the uh, uh, gin and tonic run that I was on the past couple of weeks. So I went with a vodka soda and uh, squeezed a little bit of uh, top shelf limes from limes uh, on there. And it's good. Best lime juice comes from limes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I am also like Sebi supporting a local here in DC on show cidery. They, they have a kosher for Passover uh, product dc kosher um apple wine which is you know it's a good little cider and if you uh celebrate passover then you can drink this during the uh during that time so go to on show get cider it's good um sebi we asked you back this week uh to talk about dc united as they go into a new era um you know you've been around for a while and you know, you, you've been associated with the team. You've been on on the side as a fan, as a, a podcaster for the team, as a, a talking head on ESPN. And now we're going into a new era. Obviously, the biggest change is the new head coach, Hernan Losada. Um, what are your thoughts on the new guy? Yeah, I mean, I think just like if I were to grow a coach in a Petri dish, you know, <laughs> it, it would kind of be this cat, right? Like, even down to the look, like, you know, there there's so many things about him that I think check boxes you know if you wanted a guy with strong ties to south america because we know that there's a rich talent there and we know that um that market translates well not just to mls but specifically to like the dc market um here's a guy with ties ties to that region and 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 really strong ties if you want a guy who understands the european market and maybe do some stuff out of there um hey like here's a guy that that has that He's young. He's bilingual, more than bilingual. So mm. I think there's just so much about him that that checks boxes and, and gets you excited. Uh, and that and that's we haven't really gotten to the point like the rhetoric of, of how he wants to play. Now, what I would say is like, especially when you talk about MLS, rhetoric is just rhetoric till it happens on the field. Everybody wants to play a certain way, okay. Um, this guy does seem like he's got a little like mad streak in him, right? He really kind of wants to. Um, play a certain way, not regardless of the cost, but, you know, willing to roll some dice. Like, I don't want to say Bielsa because that's what everybody thinks when they think of that kind of, hey, let's have some fun and see what happens type of coach. But we need that, man. This club needs, like, something. It needs an identity. Um, And even if that identity is losing valiantly, losing heroically, playing the kids, whatever that identity is, um, and I think you heard a lot of that in the interview that you guys did with them, I think this guy checks a lot of boxes. I don't know. My doubt is always not with the coach. It's always with what's above him. You know, is he going to get the support he needs um, to compete in where this league is headed? But if you look at this guy's resume, man, it is sexy. Like, it really does check the boxes. And I go back to that Petri dish. Like, he kind of looks perfect, you know? Like, you meet that girl, you meet that guy, and you're like, damn, on paper, on paper, you know, let's see, let's see. I just saw you put your hands down in your pockets and like your eyes got big. You're like yeah. crushing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and I, you know, I hope we get to talk about Ben kind of at some point and, and kind of why this is different and how it's different. I mean, and I don't, you know, that's not at all a reflection of the past. I just think generally like um, when we analyze this guy, we can say, you know, um, he is the, the, the new hunk in the high school. Like there, there's a reason why he's popular. There's a reason why that resume very attractive to us and um and we can acknowledge that i think but while also acknowledging that um you can say whatever you want and and at the end of the day you're gonna either have to play interestingly enough for us to come and watch or you're gonna have to win 
And it's been like a long time since this club really honestly could claim and had a chance to win something of significance. Yeah. And so in the little, in the videos that we've seen so far from DC United and Hernan Losada, uh, he's been talking about the collective over the individual. He's really been uh, emphasizing that as, as his, uh, a marquee, marquee uh, mindset. What do you think about that as a mindset for the team, given uh, the players that they have right now? Look, I think he has to say, um, you know, he has to say the truth of the type of team that he's been asked to build. You know, obviously, when you take on a new project, you understand exactly what the big money options are and what they aren't. I think he realizes like he's probably not going to be bringing a big type of star, something like a Rooney or something else that would be kind of game changing from an MLS standpoint. I think he he probably understands that that's not realistic for the time being. And sometimes those things can just happen out of the blue and you can't really plan for them. And I don't think he can plan for that in kind of his build. He must have a vision for what he wants to do. And it's obviously much easier, especially when you're starting with a new group, to say, hey, everybody's equal, right? Everybody over the next month, over the next two weeks, like you all have a shot to impress me. That I think that's kind of standard narrative for any new coach to to put into play with a group. So um, I like it. I, I think it's kind of what DC United needs to be. I think it opens the door for the kids to play, like the academy players, which for me, uh, as someone, and maybe we'll get into this later, but as someone who's like kind of grasping at straws to connect with this team, that this new thing in this new stadium with this new logo after pandemic, not having been with the team. Like for me, I'm going back to the players, like the, not just the, the Bill Hamids who are from the Academy, but the kids coming up now. Cause I feel like there's a tangible tie there. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the fact that it's not going to be a, um, a team focused around one player. Like maybe we saw with, with Rooney or Lucha, I mean, that was kind of a unique situation. But um, I think for the reality of where this team is, that's probably what it has to be. And that opens doors for kids. Because um, when you have star players, when you have big-name players on big money, they eat up minutes. And a lot of the talent that DC has right now that's young is in the attacking kind of part of the field. And I don't know that I want to see those kids get buried by stars. By And let's be honest, by stars, by like MLS stars. Even a guy like Edison Flores, like, cool, great. He could be a baller, maybe not not last year, but I, I want to see. I'd ra- almost rather see a, like if there was a Griffin Yao comparable to an Edison Florida, I'd rather see that. Like that to me is more DC United. That to me is more DC soccer. So um, I'm looking forward to to kind of clean slate for those guys the most. Well, Sebi, we're talking about sort of the character of the team, and you know you have to cover this from you know, a, a little bit of a, a national perspective a lot of the time. Um, so when you think about what it is that you want to see as a DC fan that also would translate uh, nationally, obviously, if you win, if you're one of the winning teams, you get on TV more. Um, what does DC or what do you want DC to do uh, to be to, to start to earn more of that share? Because it, it was there in 2018. And then 2019 was, you know, they got points, but they were very boring. And then 2020, they were boring and also didn't get the points. Um, what do you want to see them bring in other than just a generally more high risk style uh, that yeah. we, we anticipate is coming? No, I mean, I, I think kind of at the end of the day, like think about the old days at RFK 
most of the season you would go through 75% of the regular season and the bottom, the lower bowl would be what two thirds full. And if the team was good in the fall, then the end of the regular season, the lower bowl would start to fill out. And if they were good at like 2012, after like five years of not making it, remember like suddenly Mm -hmm. that last game against the crew was sold out. And you know, the, our city, the fan base, even though like you want to say DC United fans are die hard and, and they are, we're just like everybody else. You know, at, at the end of the day, if you want to get our attention and then further national attention, you're really going to have to win. I mean, that, that, that is kind of the bottom line. Absent of bringing a star. And again, I, don't, I just don't really see that in the team's um, in the team's plans or necessarily fitting with kind of this coach's style based on the things that we were just talking about. So um, I, I would like to see that. And then I think there's some obvious models that you can look at, like an FC Dallas, like a Philadelphia Union. Like, um, I'm sorry, I, I was hugely disappointed that it took till last year for DC United to stop charging some of the kids in the academy. Like, I grew yeah. up playing soccer. Yep. Yeah, I, I grew up playing soccer in DC, and I like put DC up against anywhere in the world. So um, definitely anywhere in the States for talent. And DC United needs to be like, all over that talent, getting it, keeping it, making a part of their team. I don't want to see any more Eric Williamson's in Portland. I don't want to see Jeremy Abobasi eventually, like a kid who grew up playing literally in Bethesda <laughs> in Portland. I, I don't want to yeah. see that anymore. What do we, why? Why is Chris Durkin over there? You know, like I, I want to see those kids. And, and um, I think in the past, there was an inability to embrace that because everything was so short term. Everything was so like, let's get through the season. Oh my God. Like let's capture this lightning in a bottle. All right. Now there's not that excuse anymore, right? You, you fired that coach, you moved on, you give this guy a project and probably a pretty long leash. Let's play the kids, dude. I think Philadelphia fans probably finally for the first time feel some identity around the union because mm-hmm. they know, they know those kids and, and there's a, there's a structure. I mean, FC Dallas, maybe they're a little more frustrated with the results, but it's their kids. There's a structure. They're finding some success. Maybe it's better to be, the fifth best team in the East relying on your kids and, and, and being that kind of next hotbed of the next U S men's national team stars than necessarily being, you know, like LA galaxy East cheap, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be a poor man's LA galaxy. Uh, you feel me? I, like, I really don't. About? Cause yeah. they're, they're, they're not, they weren't good either last year. And, no, yeah, I, I don't want. Not... I, I don't want to be East Coast Chris Klein. <laughs> no, no, you don't want that. No, no. It, I mean, you you talked about the project, and you know, in in Philly, trust the process started with the Sixers, but it got adopted by the Union, and yeah. they trusted it, and it got them a shield. So, uh, hopefully, I, I I'm with you. We complained about it on this show how it was always this year. We have to do what we're doing this year, and then next year we'll take care of it when it gets to that. We need a longer time horizon, um, which is why I'm probably going to be preaching patience a lot, at least at the start of this year, because I'm not sure they're going to come out of the gates flying. No. And, and what I would say is it doesn't matter if they do, because we know this time and time again, like the MLS season is a marathon. March doesn't matter. April doesn't matter. I think it's one of the kind of problems for the league, frankly. Um, but this team has time, right? You've got March, you've got April. You probably have till June or July till you need to really start turning over results um, in order to get yourself in a spot to, to make the playoffs. And if we really are talking long-term, then I think, yeah, th- there's a pretty good chance that if this system is as different as what was being done in the past, 
yeah, it's going to take a while to get, not just for these guys to figure out how to play it, for Losada to figure out what to get out of these players, but then also to figure out that, hey, there's some guys here that don't fit, or there's some guys out there that, that we really need to get in here because we need to fit. So I think patience in the short term, and then I think patience kind of, you know, in the short term, 2021, but then patience for, for the long term. Hey, they're going to have to bring pieces here. If really what we're going to do is so special um, and, and going to be such a dramatic turnaround. They're going to have to build this thing because all that short term work from and we saw it. We saw it for the last decade. Right. They short term it, short term it, string it together, then collapse short term. Yep. When you, that's not how you build teams. And unfortunately, some of this roster is still put together under those circumstances. So transition here, you know, I, I think you're right to, to, to preach the idea of patience, but I think whenever a coach comes in and says, Hey, I'm going to do things a certain way. And we like to think as DC United fans, Hey, you know, we're a club with four trophies, et cetera. It's four MLS cups, you know, dozen trophies. We're relevant. We're this and that. Then at some point as fans too, we also have to, you know, trim, you know, be, be impatient and say, yeah. Hey, like, listen, mm-hmm. like not now, like let's, Okay, cool. Where are the results? Where are the players? Where are the young well, guys? Well, Sebi, uh, th- that brings me to a, a, something I've been feeling about uh, based on DC United social media for a while now. Uh, they continually put stuff on their social media about like 1996, 1997, 1998, 2004, 1999. And it just makes me irritated a lot of the time because they haven't done anything. The fact that they haven't reached those heights makes me mad. So how do you feel about that? Well, what, you know, what do we want? Cause I'm, I'm with you in the way that like, I mean, I think everybody here, everybody listening to this um, is kind of like an old school fan. Right. And so appreciates in some way, if it's not 96, it's probably like that. Oh, four through Oh seven team. And it holds a special place in your heart. I'm not going to lie. I'll see some of those Instagram social media posts and like always there's some part of me that it feels good. Like it's an, it's a memory of a happy time for me. You know, it's like Eddie Pope picture in the mud against the galaxy. Like I'm not going to not smile, but then sometimes I'll like read the caption. I don't know if you guys ever, like if this ever happens to you and you'll read the caption, you'll be like, whoever wrote this caption didn't live this. Um, almost like they ripped the Wikipedia page off it. But right. again, Okay, so maybe the the person that's running the account like didn't live it or or, I mean, or I, wasn't allowed. I'll, at that I'll just time. admit I didn't live this. I became yeah. a DC United fan in two thousand ten. Like th- these are not my memories. They're not your either. memories, right? I mean, so so I I think I, I I get what you're saying, right? I I get that like you can't harken back to the old days too much, but there's a, there's a real I think and I think righteous cry from DC United fans that that, that like the past has not been carried over from rfk you know that the, that the tradition the things that made going to a to a game at rfk or going to a dc united game or being a dc united fan because it wasn't always rfk you know it was like the pug after the game or or like watch yeah, parties yeah, all yeah, around yeah. the city you know that those things ha- have have kind of gone away and so i think like I, I i get what so we can say like hey you're not honoring history enough and then they honor history and we're like well but it's ancient history you haven't done anything <laughs> since um, right. So, you know, I guess I, I I hear what you're saying, but I would rather them 
try to honor history and okay. like upset some people like you and maybe even in the caption like underwhelm some people like me but there there's an effort there and and i i will appreciate that especially when i know like some of the people that work there weren't around for that time so they're to, to help us fans feel more connected they're they're like re like they're doing the work and and I, you know i i having sat in those shoes having having worked in that in not in that building because it was a different building when i was there <laughs> um, but you know i, I just I, I know what they're doing. And and I do think that it's, okay. I'll take the, I'll take the like memories of the past, even if it is a little bit hollow sometimes and like, all right, cool. Like, what have you done for me lately? Um, I think you can have both. I, I really do think you can have both. I think you can say like, cool, the past was great and still acknowledge that like current ownership, you know, doesn't exactly get credit for any of that. And that they are the ones that now are running the show and that, so I, maybe it's a different conversation there. But, you know, it's still DC United titles. They're still like the things that, you know, I remember watching with my dad and my friends remember watching with their dad. And there's still a huge value of that for this, for this, yeah. for the narrative of the fan base, I think. Sebi, you mentioned you wanted to talk about Benny. So I'll just, yeah. I'll just give you the floor here to, to, yeah. well, you know, reminisce. I think, um, I, th- I think, I think, we we probably talked about it in this space, or I've hinted at it. And, you know, for, I felt increasingly further and further drift of DC United for a while, you know, and, and some of it is kind of things that happen when you work in the business and it's like being in the sausage factory, you see how the sausage is made. Some of it are things that just are, you know, I think all fans feel, not all fans, but many fans feel, you know, when a team changes its location and its brand and it's, and I touched on it earlier in this se- in this segment, saying like, "Hey, I'm I'm grasping at things to hold on to." You know, Ben for me was like that big last thing. Ben for me was um, the player. So like, Ben for me was middle school. Ben for me was high school. Ben for me was college. Ben for me was the beginning of my um, career, covering his end of his career as a player, and then transitioning to a coach. Um, ben has been disunited through and through and and um it was a big reason why i kept like paying attention to the team and rooting for the team even as my responsibilities took me away from having to do that it was well how's it going for ben you know and like it's still ben's team so like it's ben's one of the guys that like I, you know I, there was always that tie and i've really you know in some part there was a million coaches that they could have brought in um, that would have really underwhelmed me. So I want to give them credit for bringing in a guy like Losada off the back of Ben, who for me, I, you could have called me a Ben apologist. I don't know that I would ever apologize for results or style of play, but I always felt like he was kind of fighting a battle with, you know, one arm tied behind his back. And um, maybe the way that that battle fought wasn't always like enjoyable to everybody, but you know, that dude showed up for a decade and, and took a lot of bullets publicly and privately for the club you know and and from the time he got the job tim taking the job was taking a bullet for the club so i just feel like that to me means a lot like that's one of the things i love about dc united there's a history it felt like it mattered like there's something to lean back on and losing ben um in like a significant role you know, and I, I know that he's not totally gone, but like, you know, not being connected to the team for me is a 
is a dramatic change and one that like I'm still curious as to how I'm going to ever be as close to DC United as I was, you know, back in the day. That's why I'm hopeful for the kids, you know, and God damn it, they better sign Andy. Nahar. <laughs> if they sign Andy, like I'm cool, you know, it's fine. I mean, just sign him for just like for the number to be excited we about. Start a like, hashtag, yeah. yes, like it was like, like bring Andy home, like it's unexpected. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I, I started that hashtag six years ago. I swear to God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Jason can tell you, I've in Ben, I've in the Slack. I've been like, we need Andy. Totally. Right. Totally. And now, just sign now, him. Just sign him. Sign like it's him. it's it's yeah. much. Well, it's I mean, like, we'll get into this in the next segment, but from the videos they're sharing, he's the one trialist that they're showing in videos as like a part of the team. They're showing him and junior Moreno. Hey, they're showing him going through the tunnel for birthday slaps. That mm-hmm. stuff is, you don't, that's not like, I'm telling you having worked in teams and like, you don't <laughs> accidentally, if, cause if you did accidentally put that out, the GM would, you know, somebody up the, up the ladder would see it and be like, Hey, we haven't signed that guy yet. Like, yeah. don't be, don't be putting that on social. Like, you know, yeah. that could change and negotiate, you know, there's so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. Ben, Ben for me is a big loss. It's a big loss in the connection to the team, the identity of the team. Um, but you know, there are little other things that I think can, can bring us back or hold us over until the winning starts again, you know, until the play yeah. attracts us and, and something like, like kids playing or bringing, you know, an Andy back. Uh, like it would go a long way. It would go a long way. For yeah, somebody and, and like me. we've we've talked on we've talked on this podcast before about much like if it's not a if it's not a huge number, which I can't imagine it is. Just sign Andy. Like it's such a wonderful story, and like old nerds like us will love it. Just sign him. Totally, totally, and it is a great story. And, you know, we talk about like. I mean, this is a totally different era, but like, remember um, Christian Castillo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, blink and you miss him. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. um, you know, that was like kind of a direct play at like, hey, we got a lot of yeah. Salvadorans in DC. You know, let's, this guy had a hot right. game. Let's bring him in and sell some tickets. Um, Andy's not going to sell tickets. Andy's not, but there's a nostalgia play there. There's, an, there's a, hey, I'm going to play to my base. This this is good for my base. This is good for the ten thousand people that like will be season ticket holders. Right. Those people, throw them a bone. You know, throw them a bone. Because yeah. DC United and one of my big gripes is when I go to Audi Field, I don't see the same crowd as I saw at RFK. I, I see a different demographically. I see a different crowd, but also faces. I don't see the same faces. It's not the same Washington DC area soccer reunion that it used to be. They're going after a different clientele. There's a reason for that, and it's a business decision, and that's fine. But some of the old heads are still around. A lot of them still own season tickets. They're an important part of your business model. And honoring them with, I don't know whether it's a 1996 Instagram post or maybe something more significant like a Nahar signing and and find, and not just a Nahar signing. I don't, I don't, if Andy's done as a player, I don't really care if Andy um, play, like if he plays like another two years crappily for DC United, fine, whatever. You know what I want? I want Andy to be a part of the organization. I don't want one Latino kid from this community ever to go through this community again and, and not be plucked by Andy. You know, Andy has an incredible value. The, the People with institutional knowledge of either DC United or the Washington soccer community, 
they they have value and and somebody like Andy is so valuable to this team in this city in yeah. this time that like Hiram is an ambassador you know I don't <laughs> care but yeah. he he needs to have a role here and that's how you build history and culture right keeping Ben around for 10 or 20 years or whatever is part of that but bringing old heads back and 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 doing that connects us all right it connects us all to our past and it makes that connection richer yeah and if you if you hire andy uh, hire or sign andy now you make the it possible for andy nahar to uh encourage the next andy nahar to sign for dc united right yeah you right i mean andy joined the dc united academy and stay in the academy and then sign for the team yeah, he's I mean, he's a great example, right? And 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 that's an area in our city where like Andy's such a it's such a great store. I mean, he literally like rolled off the metro at a tryout, you know? Um th- that's that that story exists in every corner of DC. Like I'm serious when I tell you I co- you know, Adam, you, you know, I, I coach yep. a lot and, and kind of at different levels. And I'm in down I work downtown a lot in coaching. Dude, there's a million Andy's. There's a million Andes and, mm. and, you know, like if we start to dig those, if that became the identity of DC United, if they were all like, you know, oh, DC's yeah. kids balling and Hey, there's no promotion relegation. They could lose every game. I would go if they played a track, if they, if they played attractive, aggressive soccer with kids with like DC kids, then the record almost doesn't matter. Then you get like this almost cult following of like, Hey, this is my team. You know, that's, that's something that's powerful and that I don't think a lot of other MLS teams even have a shot at something like that. Like mm-hmm. I, when I say that DC has a unique opportunity, I really mean that. And, I, and I'm also putting pressure on them by saying, I don't think they've taken advantage of it to this date. You know, they may have had some good players go through, but where are those players with the senior team? You know, it's, it's, it's great to have Eric Williamson playing for Portland, but like, come on, you know, that's a player that DC yeah, some of that I think is is honestly a function of the team yep. kind of not having a long term rudder totally. for so long okay. because they were just playing whatever system Ben felt was going to work in the, that year, yep. and they would change year to year. People talk about Benny Ball, but and you know he fell back on kind of the stereotype of Benny Ball at the very end, but, but he played really fun soccer for half a year in 2018. In 2014, he played really fun soccer all year. Uh, Dude, remember the end flashes. of flashes. 16 like yeah they were, yeah. They were yeah. scoring three and a half goals a game with patrick mullins patrick <laughs> like mullins. come on yeah. but eric williamson didn't have a, a clear position or a clear yeah. role in a ben olsen side and so it wasn't worth it to them to sign him and they got some uh you know some assets from portland some for him bucks. and it worked out in the short term for everyone uh i think in the long term portland and Eric definitely got the better of it and DC United got the short end. So it's better to, you know, develop players that are, you're going to use and having a long-term vision is going to help with that. Um, and, and bringing back guys who can help recruit the best players to your Academy is, is going to, to help with that. And that Andy Nahar helps on that on multiple levels. If that's something he wants to do to get involved with the Academy when he's done playing is there's a lot of, good things that could happen. And I really, really want them to. <laughs> right. I mean, like we get it, right. Like DC is such a, it's a unique city. 
Um, it's in a unique time. And I just think I always just say this, like Andy's story, you know, um, it's like as an immigrant story. It's just like, it's so what DC is like what DC United should be about. Like, dude, I mean the, the kid, his family, what they, how hard they worked, you know, he was like in middle school helping his mom, like clean restaurants after like at night, you know, that that's beautiful, dude. Who doesn't root for that? You know what I mean? Like who, who doesn't yeah. want that? You know? So if you have that attached to your brand, take advantage of it, you know, make him yours. And, and there's a, he's out there right now, you know, kind of, and obviously they brought him in, they're taking a look at him for soccer reasons. I, you can I, I get it. You know, Lasada only has so many roster spots. You can't like, there's no, you know, you, you can't do everything for like Sebi, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, I would like that. If I could have one request of the new coach, that's it. <laughs> well, to, to kind of, to kind of bolster this, like if we think about last year, the only, like the bright spots from last year are like Griffin Yao scoring a late equalizer against TFC, Moses Nyaman showing everyone that the hype is justified and Kevin Paredes forcing his way into the lineup pretty much until he got the knock at the end of the year, pretty much he was, it was kind of like, how do you not put him on the field? Um, And that's why, I mean, people got excited about it, not just because it's, Oh, there's some kids from the Academy that are getting real minutes. It was like, these are these are they weren't just getting minutes because the team was bad. Uh, they were actually doing exciting things, and it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is a thing that we could be doing. This is a a cool uh, possibility. It's not just build. They, they always do that thing where they show the teams kind of counter to not doing the homegrown minutes as much as they're like, well, we have the most homegrown minutes played, and it's like, well, you know, you ten thousand of that is Bill Hamid, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. uh. You know, now we're getting that 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 vibe back in the fan base a little bit, where it's like it doesn't just have to be one. It's not to take anything away from Bill, who also um, is a similar situation to Andy, where he's that that bridge to the RFK era. Um, he's at this point until Andy signs a deal, he's the only guy who's like, no, I. If you said what lot eight, I know what that means. Right. Right. Um, no, and that means a lot. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, and I'll say, and Bill gets it. Not just mm-hmm. does it mean a lot, but Bill definitely not just gets that that's important, but I actually think it means something to him. Mm-hmm. Like yes. he appreciates what Lot Eight and and everything else, you know, kind of attached to that. What because you know, it was it was something to him before he was something to anybody. You know, yeah. he he knew, he knew about that world. But Bill's another like great shout, dude. They could literally throw any ten dudes out there. If Bill's in net, like I'll root for the team. You know, what I mean? like, yeah. And if Bill's in that, I'll probably be like, he should be the starting goalie for the U.S. too. You know, I, I, you uh, know yeah. Like I same mean, with Andy, dude. I, I literally just those two guys for me, like, they can do no wrong. Like, they should like uh, yeah, Andy I, should be starting for Honduras. Like, Bill should be ahead of Zach Steffen. Like, you know, I, will, I will, I will, I will, I will stand I, for Bill Hamid for yeah, forever. Forever, so underappreciated. I can't believe he's not like national team. No, it's just a yeah. you know. But I guess well, that's, that's why we're thing. fans. Right? Yeah. So actually, that's something I wanted to go into at some point. Um, a little theory I have that Bill Hamid has this knock on him that he's not good with his feet, which I don't know how true that is because he's never been asked to be good with his feet. So I wonder if just his association with Ben Olsen teams has hurt him his national team career. Um. Through no fault of his own, it's just he wasn't asked to play sweeper keeper, and so he doesn't have a reputation of doing that. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal is. You know, I 
I think it was like, it's honestly, the years kind of meshed together. We were at some U.S. camp one time, and I was just like, you know, in the ESPN, you get these kind of like pre-show meetings with the coach. And some area in between where everybody else was asking questions, I was like, hey, why don't you call Bill Mead in the camp? You know, like personally <laughs> for me. I was like, what's going on, man? Hey, I got this kid I know. No. Um, so I was like, and, you know, he was like, nah, like, you know, and, and Greg actually had some pretty good things to say about him kind of, you know, privately and was like, you know, so I, I think he's he's held in high regard. I think the unfortunate thing is right now there's there's somebody pretty clearly like, you know, locking down that spot in Burhalter's eyes. I, I think there's some I think like I'm not the person to really dive in on this. And probably this group uh, isn't really the group to dive in on this. I think there's some weird connections between race, age, um, and how Bill Hamid has been labeled as a goalie. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that um you know, just like there's a stigma with like black quarterbacks that there used to be, I think there's something um, that has to do. Like, I don't know why Bill has carried the labels that he's carried as like a hothead and a, and bad with his feet and all these other things. You know, six seven years into his career, eight to ten you know ten years mm-hmm. into his career now, twelve years into his career, like other goalies get to like lose those labels. And he never did. And I'm not saying that Bill has been, um, you know, other his coaches will have to say whether he's been a model citizen or whatever, you know, whatever he's been. But I watch games, and I always say this. If you told me, like, an MLS, pick a goalie. You got to win a game for your mortgage or whatever. I'm sorry. I'm Now, I'm not saying I'm not biased, but I'm taking Bill. That's like if you put truth serum yeah. in me. And yeah. you were like, hey, you got to win this game for your, your mortgage or whatever, whatever you want to bet on it. I'm taking yeah. Bill, dude. I'm sorry. And and um so and and there's something and as somebody who watches him a lot, I'm just like, hey, I could pick Zach Steffen's five mistakes and, and be like, hey, here's a younger goalie who's doing it. And for whatever reason, like Zach Steffen doesn't get labeled in that way. But I feel like Bill got labeled as a hothead, big mistake potential guy early on, bad with his feet. And those labels stuck with him even when the performance said that they were no longer true. I mean, yeah. you guys know even it. You watched the goalkeeper of the year. Yeah, yeah, there there are years where like that dude was not even the like by far the best goalie in the league. By far the best goalie in the league. Like a joke that he's not the, in the national team conversation. Um, that he's not like getting called into camps. You're like, who's nobody's clearly watching DC United then? Clearly nobody knows what this team is. I remember like 14. Sorry. Yeah. The defense in front of him in 14 was horrible. It was really not good. Bill was so good that year. And that's mm. the turnaround year. And people, people were like, Oh, they brought Bobby Boswell up. They brought... No, Bill, that was Bill's year. That was Bill's year. And, and, you know, maybe it hasn't always been 2014 since then, but you know, like that was the year I, that Bobby I, Boswell, that was the year that Bobby Boswell blocked me for saying he wasn't that good. Hey, Bobby Boswell won Bill Hamid goalie of the year that year. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. saying that as a compliment to Bobby Boswell either, but he did. Well, so Sebi, what, what's on my mind now is just like, you know, we're talking about the guys that obviously have roots here. Uh, the mm-hmm. guys that came up through the Academy. Um, looking past those guys to the rest of the squad, just in just in general, who's the next or who could be the next player that's actually like becomes kind of a hero? It doesn't have to be 
the golden boot winner. It just has to be someone who becomes like the next beloved player for this fan base, because I feel like that's kind of, sometimes I wonder like, who is it? Yeah. We need it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, everybody well, needs a Lewis Neal. Totally. Yeah. Wow. I mean, all right. Lewis Neal's a cult hero though. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. kind of like, let's like make net levels here. Right. So Lewis Neal's cult hero, but you're talking about a Lucho. You're talking about the next Lucho, right? Yeah. We're not talking about a Rooney because that's or the next like a- Andy Nahar. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, have we given up on Edison Flores yet? How like I mean, that's I the question? No. Yeah. No. So I'm not judging have- anybody on their 2020. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Exactly. Like, we- <laughs> let's be honest. Let's all look in the mirror. It's not been our best year. <laughs> yeah. So um. So no. Totally. I think. I think I haven't given up on Edison. You know. I. I um. He's. He's a weird player. You know, I watched him in, in Mexico and he, um, against my favorite team is America. And against America, he would like ball out all the time. And so I was like, yo, he's going to come to DC and just kill everybody. Um, he's not, you know, he's not that consistent. And, and the difference between a good player and a great player and a great player and an excellent player is that you do it every day. Um, but I haven't given up on him yet. And I think he's an obvious choice because A, the DC United fan base, like every bit fan base, but the DC United fan base loves the number 10. You know, give me a, give me a, a a playmaker, not even a number 10, because now it's kind of, you know, they're wide 10s, they move in. But give me a playmaker, make them Latin American, make them Peruvian in D.C., um, make them left-footed, you know. And, and um, you know, now it's like, all right, cool. I'm, I, so I think I think he's your kind of obvious – if you, we had bookies here, who could who could be that guy? I think, I think Edison's that guy. You know, there are other players on the roster, too, that I think – might might kind of be long-term DC United faces, maybe like a Julian Gressel, something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that player might not be on the roster yet. I think it's really kind of my answer. It's like, I, I haven't given up on Edison Flores. I think he's the most obvious person. Like, there's a lot of reasons to fall in love with that cat if he starts balling, but he's got to start balling. Um, and then other than that, I think, you know, let's let's wait and see. I think... The coach promises something different and new enough that we can't necessarily expect for like the next hero to already be here. Maybe, maybe it'll take some time. All right, Sebi, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about your new project with Hercules Gomez. I mentioned it at the top, Football Americas, uh, new program on ESPN+. Plus. The first episode was great. Uh, t- tell us about what you're doing. Yeah, man. So um, it's funny, like, the you know, the Capital Soccer Show – hundred years ago, 2012, I did with Roach. One of the people we interviewed was Herc. And I remember um, it was when US and Brazil played at FedEx in 2012. And I remember walking out of that room being like, and that guy can talk, like he might have a future in television. <laughs> and sure enough, we both kind of joined ESPN at end of 16, end of 2016, and immediately hit it off. And we're like, hey man, we got to work together on something. And we did it, but it was always kind of short-term projects. Gold Cup related, World Cup related, etc. Um, and you know, we've always been trying to push ESPN to do a soccer show that has a an American perspective. And when I say American, I don't mean like USMNT. I mean like America's the continent perspective, right? So um, we really, and you know, Herc and I are both Mexican American, so we kind of straddle that line perfectly. So we talk Mexican League, MLS. CONCACAF, U.S. men's national team, U.S. women. We do a ton of stuff with Julie Foudy. She's kind of a, a regular 
on our show. Anything that has to do with soccer, not just of this region, but like from this region, right? Export it. Hey, Alfonso Davies did something for Bayern. We're going to talk about it. Um, but putting like the ESPN spotlight on it. You've never heard, you never saw somebody do eight minutes of ESPN quality on Yunus Musa when he announced before. Well, when he announced the other day, we brought Jeff Carlisle on, who did like the ESPN, you know, dot com article on it, spoke to Burhalter, spoke to Musa, then like, you know, me and Herc are breaking it down, blah, blah, blah. ESPN's never done that before. That that's not existed. So we feel like we're doing something in a new space. We feel like we're doing something cool. Um and yeah, it's behind a paywall. It's the only, <laughs> the only complaint. But um, it, is, it is behind ESPN Plus. But hey, the, the content's everywhere, right? It's on the ESPN FC YouTube channel. It's all over the website, the app. We're going to start to podcast it soon. We're really excited. Um, you know, we're just launching, but we're going to be covering everything that anybody in, that would listen to this podcast would, you know, would be interested in. You know, it might not be all MLS all the time. It won't be. Um, but it'll kind of be the biggest things that our region does in the world of football. So, you know, like imagine you watch sports center, they're going to talk about Cowboys, you know, they're going to talk about LeBron. They're going to talk about whatever. What are we going to talk? We talk Pulisic. We're going to talk about Reina. We're going to talk about Chucky Lozano. We're going to talk about Chicharito Vela. We're going to talk about the, you know, the women's national team, um, kind of in their, all of their stars. We can talk about MLS when it's back up, you know, everything that, that matters to an ESPN level, we're going to cover. So, yeah, Mondays and Thursdays on uh, ESPN Plus, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We go live, which is crazy. We should not be live. It's a disaster. <laughs> waiting to happen. Clearly going to get fired. Um, but then you can watch it on demand, like, later throughout the week. So, But if, if you want to see the real fireworks, tune in live because um, – <laughs> They can't, they can't edit that part out. <laughs> well, when you start taking callers, we'll know things are, have definitely gone definitely. off the rails. <laughs> well, Subby, thank you so much for taking the time tonight to come on. For the, the one or two of our listeners who don't already follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, um, at Sebi Salazar on um, Instagram and then at Sebi Salazar, F-U-T, foot, on uh, Twitter. And um, yeah, man, just you know, search the hashtag Football Americas. Check out the show if you can. Um, we're really excited about it. And it's a project born kind of born at RFK. You know, I, I always wanted ESPN to cover like our soccer big. And um, I just didn't think that it would be me the one to do it <laughs> or me and Herc, you know? Um, so it's, it's really, I'm really honored to be in like in the spot that I'm at, you know, you guys can appreciate, you know, um, all the other different jobs that I've had. Um, so to be able to do this job for ESPN and, and really tackle this project is pretty freaking cool. I can't think of anyone better for it, honestly. So uh, I, I, I'm <laughs> proud of you. I'm happy for you. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're our friend and take the time to come on our little podcast. Hey, definitely, <laughs> man. I, I never get to talk. That's the one thing, like I, at some point I would love DC United to be like big in the, even in the MLS and like the CONCACAF world, because then, to be able like now when we talk about Club America on this show, I'm like, ah, oh, like the Americanista, you know, I'd love for DC United to be like the anti-galaxy or whatever it is. So that <laughs> that fandom could kind of come out in this show. And, and that, you know, it's just right now, DC United is not doing things that are kind of relevant on that level, but soon enough, you know, soon enough, I know that they will. And, um, and, you know, we'll have a lot of, we'll have a lot of fun with it. Well, we'll talk about the build up to that right after this break. Stick around. It's filibuster. All right, say you're at work and uh, 
something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast uh the preseason is I guess underway properly. They're not just training. They've played a preseason game, black and red. Have they? they well, We're told. Allegedly. Sources. Reportedly. Sources tell us. Um, we hear that the black and red drew the Greenville Triumph one-to-one in Cary, North Carolina over the weekend with rookie Kamarni Smith scoring a scrappy goal for the equalizer. We actually saw video of that from the team. Uh, so so that that's good. Um we don't know much about what actually happened other than that goal because it wasn't streamed. It was played on a side field at Wake Med soccer, whatever. It's not a soccer plex. That, those only exist in Maryland. I think it's, but, I, no, there are other Wake plexes, Med soccer this, park. Yes. It's, it's not Wake Med anymore. I think that's the old, no, 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 I, think, no. I don't think it's been Wake Med for a while. No, no, no. It, it is Wake Med. It's Wake Med sports park. Uh, and the stadium is named Salem stadium. The stadium itself, but they did not play in the stadium. They played right next to the stadium. So, we should probably uh, move on. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, they took pictures at the Landon Donovan Memorial Water Fountain, which yes. was very fun. Uh, I commend yeah. them for that. Um, I, I think first thing when the lineups came out, we had a little trouble parsing it because they listed players we were pretty sure are Andy Nahar and Rodney Wallace as trialist one and trialist two and. Uh, Logan Pancho was also listed as a trialist. Um, so we're we're not 100% sure, but we think it was a three-back, notwithstanding all it the stuff pretty... we talked about last week about not playing a three-back because they don't have enough. They did it anyway. And it's pretty real. I mean, like, you can base it off of, like, the other available players. You just run out of players who could conceivably have played as a defender. Like, you get to a point where is Andy Nahar or Junior Moreno playing center back in that first half? Probably not. It's Is it Jordi Reyna at center back? No. So you can kind of start to parse, like, what is this thing? It's probably three defenders. Um, though I will admit you still get to, like, Rodney Wallace may have been one of those three defenders. Uh, so it's still – really, there's only, like, one 100% defender in that entire first 11, and it's Michael DeShields. Yeah, so we're pretty sure it was a three-back, especially because the goal um, with with the lineup graphic they put out or the lineup, they they listed it in apparent position order. Yes, uh, and and in that, you know, from what we think we know, um, 
Griffin Yao played at right wing back and Kamarni Smith played at left wing back. And excitingly for, for Losada's system, those two combined with a little intervention from a defender, but those two got forward and combined for the goal. So the wing backs are getting forward right away before even all the fundamentals or the system are down, which I, I am down with. I am here for that. Uh, yeah. If you're going to play the way Losada says he wants to play, then those wingbacks need to get in, not just get into attacking positions, but they have to actually have to actually produce some things. Um, and if you want a reference point for this in terms of DC United, you have to think of the good years for Tom Sohn. Um, I mean, there was a season where Fred and Santino Corato were wingbacks and scored seven goals um, that year. Like the, these are these are positions that we think of wingbacks and they there's so often that temptation to be like, well, it's a wingback. And it's like, well, you what you're really talking about is a fullback. Um, but these players cannot play as fullbacks that sort of attack. They have to be like, if anything, if, if Lozada's talk is to be backed up, it has to be that these guys attack a lot um, and not a, a lot for wide defenders, but like just a lot, period. For, for any, yeah, they, they, need, to they be, need to be wingers with defensive responsibility, right? Yeah, they, who... they need to emphasize the wing part of their job titles and not the back part of their job titles, right? Without, without also, Jason, exposed, it's this huge balance to strike, but that's that's the system, right? But also, Jason, I, I need to object to something you said. You just said the good years of Thompson, and I'm, I'm just not ready to. Uh, I mean, the uh, team he won, won the supporter shield his first that. year, yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to argue with uh, supporter shields uh, one and say that wasn't a good year. But it was also two what two thousand seven eight. Sure. What does that matter? How does that, that was, how does that change the fact that they it won? Was the different era. It was just it was just different era and a long time ago. And sure, but the like, point yeah, is, I mean, you could, the three back. The three back but, they and you could just, you could just do wild things back then and have a three back with wild things and it didn't matter. It did though because no one else did that. Like it's it's a one off. It's a demanding thing to do, and that's why it's relevant because this is a very demanding system that it's not going to work without these guys uh, playing wingback. Whether that's if that's Yao and Smith, that's awesome. First of all, if they become like the best wingbacks on the team. That's an incredible thing. Um, I don't think they're going to be the starters. I don't even know if Yao's going to play a lot of wingback or if he just had to sort of play there right now because that's where the role is, um, given how overloaded they are elsewhere. But um, if it's Gressel and Mora, then they have to produce um, goals and assists. It can't just be scoring yes. chances. Like it can't, the fact yeah, it can't, it- it can't be a like uh, it can't be like a Costa Rica style back five like we've seen. Costa right, those Rica aren't wingbacks. That's a back five with fullbacks. Right, right. But I mean, there there is a there are parlances where like some people call those wingbacks. Right, those people and, are wrong. First off, I know, but people call them that, and it cannot it, like DC United system cannot be in any way that system right and i think losada's preference for pressing which i don't know if they did in this game but i think that having skilled attacking players who are used to playing honestly outside midfield wing true winger positions is going to make a lot of sense in his wingbacks because they're going to be asked to press um 
And you can learn the the defensive positioning when you have to drop back into a block, whether that's a mid block or a low block or whatever they want to do. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense to have guys like Paredes or Yao or Smith uh, in those positions, almost even more than it makes sense to have Joseph Moore. That's one of the reasons why yeah. I've kicked around the idea of Joseph Moore as a left center back. I think in this system, there's there's logic to that. Um, but I don't know if that's what Losada wants or not. We'll see. Right. Yeah, uh, it, it might take some time with more just that getting that balance, because that's the other side of this is like, if you play him there, yes, you're going to be much more defensively solid than Paredes or um, Smith or, or anyone else that plays over there. But are you giving away too much on the attacking side? And I know DC had that time where they were like, you know, when Mora was out, they were like, wow, a lot of our attack actually kind of did end up connecting with him and losing him has hurt the attack in yeah. ways we didn't necessarily count on. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make him a wingback who's going to put up, you know, four or five goals in a season. Um, that's something he'll just as much as Smith or Yao might have to learn the defensive side. Mora might have to learn how to get into those positions regularly enough to be a threat, to be a wingback here. Yeah, uh, one more thing from this game that that I noticed. Uh, it was kind of a split squad game. We mm. saw what seems to be the first choice defense out at one point, and then you know everyone played forty five minutes. So for one of those halves of the game, even though they played the game in three thirty minute increments, I don't understand how why they lined it up like this, but they did. It's um, a flat time the, is the, a flat circle. Something like that. Uh, the the top defense or the presumed top choice defense was not on the field with the presumed top choice attack. We saw this split, um, mm-hmm. which was interesting to me. And I wish we could have seen how it played out because watching, I want to see if they focused on different things, if they were emphasizing one thing or another. Um, but it was a, it was interesting to me to see the split squad. Yeah. Especially when you see like what that split squad actually means, because the attack, you've got Kamara, Flores, Reyna. You say, okay, um, those are the three most highly paid attacking central players on the team. They're together as a trio. We don't know how that trio lined up, but we know that they're out there together. Um, but you're also talking about trialists, rookies. Um, you know, Kamarni Smith is playing a wingback probably for the first time in his life. Griffin Yao is probably playing wingback for the first time in his life. Um, an academy player is in goal. That's that first half. That second half, you're switching out that front three for less experienced players. You know, guys like Eric Sorga, um, Adrian Perez is the experienced, or he and Emil Assad are the experienced uh, guys, and Assad might end up being a starter. Um, but like the rest of that group is the names that you would expect if you had to bet on opening day who's starting. You've got Pines, you've got Heinz like Gressel. Um, but the name that jumps out to me that's really important. I think it potentially very important to the excitement of the, of the fan base, but also just the future of the fan base or the future of the team is that it's Moses Nyman paired with uh, Russell Canals, um, not Junior yeah. Moreno and Russell Canals. Yep. And I feel like, you know, on one hand, maybe it's just the first game of the preseason. They just, that's how they decided to shake the lineups out. Um, but it also like, it's one of those things that jumps out as like, if this is a pattern, if like, this game on Friday against Loudon, if we see, and hopefully we actually see, because they, they said to me, hopefully there will be a stream. They can, the team controls the stream on this one. If they don't stream it, let them have it because that's just them not electing not to do something. Um, but 
if we're seeing a lineup and we're watching a game where it's Nyman and Canals again, uh, that starts to look like maybe Moses Nyman is a starter, um, or at least in line for a starter uh, or regular minutes. And we've talked about on this podcast how he has to play a lot. Um, and if this system is going to work, someone that plays the game like him has to be in that spot. And if Junior Moreno can't replicate it's funny because we think about Nyman in terms of what he has to do to catch up to the group but he does bring a skill set that no one else on the team has yeah and if if Moreno can't replicate that and he can't replicate what Canals does how does he get into the lineup like so it kind of flips the question on its head where it becomes how do you how do you formulate a team that plays the way Losada says he wants to play without Nyman or a Nyman style player um, and maybe maybe when Felipe comes back, he takes that role over. Certainly his passing game opens the door for that. His mobility is willing to um, cover a lot of ground and win the ball back. Uh, he uh, he actually had a little exchange on Twitter with Smarter Scout about some of his numbers, and the numbers reflected pretty well. Not that it was just a very small sample size, but the numbers reflected pretty well on Felipe uh, on some of these metrics. But right now, Felipe is not going to be – you know, he's training, but he's not about to play. He's not going to play on April 17th. Um, if we start seeing Nyman and Canals, if this split squad thing keeps happening and Nyman and Canals keep being the central midfield pairing, you have to start to imagine that you're getting closer and closer to like Moses Nyman might just be a starter. Um, and when you throw yes, yes, Ben, yes, Ben yes. is literally putting his arms in the air uh, at the. I, I'm having heart palpitations. I'm excited, uh, and, especially going back to the conversation we had with Sebi mm-hmm. last in the last segment about you know a potential hero. If Moses Nyman becomes that that player, that central figure for the fan base, that's that's exciting. That's awesome. And, you know, to to we didn't get into it. Um, we got into a ton with Sebi. We didn't get into this. That the fact that. There are parallels to him and, and Andy Nahar. It's not a perfect parallel, but um, Moses's family came here. Uh, that that uh, immigrant story would resonate, I think, a lot in this area. The fact that he got here at roughly the same age as Andy, I think, I think a little earlier, but um, he came up through the academy. He has this sort of this sort of story that it's not like just some random guy that got drafted. No offense to players who got drafted and ended up on the team because they become very important players. But there is something a little different for someone that has the background of Moses Nyman or Andy Nahar or Kevin Paredes that um, I think would speak to a different DC United Um, and having a coach that uh, either, either is willing or feels like they have the platform to say, I'm putting him in, we might take our lumps because of it, because, you know, we talked about this for uh, several times over the years with DC under Olsen, where he would say, we might take our lumps because of doing starting this player or playing this way tactically. It's just that the team always ended up getting away from being willing the, the willingness to take those lumps ended up not being very long. Um, and whether that's, that's Olsen's choice or whether that's the club saying, Hey, you know, you lost two games in a row. This is no good. you got to find a way to grind out your, your next game. And, and so he said, okay, that's the job. That, that, then that's the job. Uh, but you don't hire someone like Lozada if you're going to, after taking, you know, if, if Moses plays, let's say he starts the first two games and they go badly because of central midfield, you didn't hire Hernan Lozada to, to immediately switch to something else after two games you might just have to accept that it might be rough for a little while, but you come out the other end with 
this potentially like national team level player. Um, right. Uh, Jason, are you saying that uh, Hernan Losada shouldn't immediately bring uh, Davy Arnault back to uh, DC United as a central midfielder? I, I mean, if that's the plan, I'm I'm very curious about the mentality because I feel like uh, <laughs> signing a guy who's in his 40s out of retirement to play central midfield um, isn't helpful. In but a like, maximum overdrive system. Yeah, but, but like the 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 modern equivalent, and I don't have yeah. the free agent list in front of me, but I'm sure we could figure out the guy that's that guy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is not a good idea, um, and I think the team should really. Like, let's actually let's actually see reap the benefits of this uh, this long leash that Losada has. The time that it's going to take to get in the system, some of that can also go towards just being like, let's actually play these guys. Um, and if that means Moses Nyaman is a starter from day one, I feel like I feel like that will be very popular. Uh, but it also, I feel like you can really make a good case for it. I mean, if Junior Moreno plays lights out through the preseason, then great. That's awesome too. Um, but I, I, I am very, very interested Friday, what the lineup looks like. If we see Niamh and yeah. again, it's going to be hard to not, it's going to be hard to contain the excitement for what could be, which could I mean, be starting. Right. And, and junior Moreno, like he had a really great uh, season and then he hasn't lived up to it since then. And so I, uh, he should be uh, on the uh, not the back burner, but he should be uh, his position should battling be for, battling for his job. I mean, mm-hmm. like he should not like it was two or three seasons ago now that he had that great season, and he should be battling for that job. So uh, Moses yep. Nyman and and I'm I'm looking at Twitter, and right now uh, Moses Nyman is is being featured by DC United in their social media. Uh, they just posted a tweet a and TikTok a TikTok video. of yep. of Moses Nyman, and so that's also indicative of what they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And why shouldn't they be? You know, yeah, they uh, should be. There is a transfer to talk about. It's it's weird that we are putting this right at the end of the show, but here we are. Uh, DC United have a new TAM striker in 23-year-old Nigel Roberto. We've been talking about this, it seems like, for months, but it's probably closer to just one month that we've been uh, – that, that DC United have been linked with him. Um, the rumors went hot and cold. Reports, I should say, went hot and cold. Uh, even as, as recently as this weekend, he apparently turned down an offer from DC United, who then – sweeten the pot a little bit to to get his signature and they got it he's coming to dc for a physical and pending that and the receipt of a a work visa he will be a member of dc united yeah like we don't have the dc united confirms but we have the levski sofia confirms um right yeah dc united hasn't announced it but steve goff did confirm it with yeah. sources at DC United. So so effectively like we're talking about this deal that we know is done but it's not uh, like done done for good. Um but yeah, it it's I mean I'm still we've talked about because we've had some time to talk about it. Um I still think it's kind of an on the fence thing where it's not quite one, it's not quite the other. Um as a TAM signing, it makes more sense to me. Um, yeah. quite a bit more uh, in, in the era of young DPs and young money, uh, not losing any of that, those options uh, 
to sign a guy who's already kind of aged out of that that group. Um, right. That's and that's a big plus. Yeah, um, we talked about it previously, but I, I do want to clarify. He is 23, so he does yeah. qualify for a young DP slot if his salary commands it. Um, but, salary and transfer fee, I should say, commands it. Apparently, that won't be the case. DC right. United paid low seven figures for him. Uh, it's been reported, but once you add a salary and that together over the life of his contract, he will not rise to the standard of a DP. He will be probably a TAM player, like Jason right. said. But he's 23. He's not eligible for young money either. Right. He's, he was always too old for that. Yeah, um, which young money is more about the transfer fee than anything else. Right. Um but it's also but, like like Giovanni Bolivar would have been eligible had he required that amount of a financial investment. Right, exactly. Um, but it's still it's still a young player. He's still a 23-year-old yes. striker. And uh, reportedly DC United, or at least talks, had, had gone pretty cold until the last five weeks or so, or the last couple weeks, because they've been playing game after game, it seems like. He scored seven goals in his last five games. Yeah. He scored a goal in every one of those games and a hat trick in one of them. Uh, and a, and in he, a range of different goals. Yeah, um, he's scoring them every a free way you kick, can think of. There's a penalty. There's a there's a header on a set piece. Um, there's a breakaway a goal in like a blizzard. Behind. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on in Bulgaria. It seems like uh, it's weird to see a striker just score all of the types of goals. Um, but he set up a sizzle reel that. just in the last five weeks. It's remarkable, right. really. Which, if you want to get people on board for a transfer, because we were like, kind of like, well, they need to do something, but I don't know. Um, this is pretty much the best way to sell uh, a transfer for a skeptical uh, fan base, or at least a skeptical podcast is uh, <laughs> to in between the time, the last time we really talked about this to today to just be lights out. Um, yep. And and kind of from what I read from um uh, what you know? The, unfortunately, there's pretty much the only one. Um, Matodi Shubinov's uh, Twitter account is pretty much where to go for English language Bulgarian league uh, stuff. He's kind of carrying Levski Sofia on his back mm-hmm. uh, lately. So that is they just want a derby, one nothing on his header in a blizzard yeah, in a terrible snowstorm that they were just like, sure, we'll play it. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. Uh, as far as getting me on board for a transfer, this is about as good as you can do as a forward to just um, dominate your games coming in. Because I was thinking about this before, like we've had some DC transfers where, you know, the player has an option somewhere else and it kind of falls through in DC's second choice. Um, And it's, or someone who's maybe, you know, Wayne Rooney didn't have a huge range of options as much as he's Wayne Rooney. There are a bunch of options that weren't appealing to him and he was on the outs at Everton. This is a situation where we're talking about this guy is kind of like Levski Sofia's entire attack. Um, this is not DC's getting someone on the cheap because they happen to be coming off of some issue. This is DC United had to like raise their bid to get the guy, um, or at least raise the personal term. I think that's the report from Bulgaria is that yeah. the bid was accepted, yeah. but the personal terms had to get better. Um so they had to come to the table with more because he wanted more because there's to some degree demand and he's not a player who's coming off of an iffy season. And that's why he's available. It's he's playing well. He's getting, he seems to be getting better. Um, I still do wonder if this is the solution. Um, if, if they're, if they're, are they catching him truly on the rise or is he just hot right now? Because this is a yeah, way for it, him to, you know, it's like a contract year, quote unquote. 
for him. I don't know. But and yeah, we, we it's going to be interesting to see like what happens between him and uh, Giovanni Bolvar and Ola Kamara and like they're they're, they're like Eric Sorker. Like they're getting a lot of like not not necessarily high price strikers, but like strikers that they have to pay money for and invest uh, international roster spots in and. I mean, I feel like right now, uh, international roster spots are even more important than salary because I think what Colorado just paid like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an international other way. Roster. Atlanta just bought an international roster okay. spot from Colorado from for two hundred twenty-five thousand, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. close to twice what the going rate was not that long ago. Usually, right. you think about a hundred k, a hundred fifty k, and yeah, so like two twenty-five. International roster spots are not currently cheap, so. Like you've got to make these uh, uh, players at a premium, and and they've got to be able to perform. And uh, DC United right now has a lot of them, and there's no easy way to a green card for uh, pretty much anyone, and so they've got to perform it. Well, can I, I just one idea I had about this earlier was just that um, the fact that you know, Sorga came in and, and the misconception of the Sorga signing lasted for so long last year <laughs> because he very briefly was on paper, a loud oh, player yeah. and people read too much into that. But now you have a situation where it's him and Bolivar both are going to need to play games to get better. Um, so it, it occurs to me that there's the possibility that they might be sort of toggling back and forth between Loudon and DC so that they're playing. Right. And maybe this preseason is them battling for, who's the guy that's going to spend more time with DC and who's the guy that's going to spend more time with Loudon? Uh, just theoretical, but it would make sense to me rather than having to trade for two of the remaining, like literally like 50% of the remaining open interna- international spots in the league and lose all of your money on it. Because um, everyone, everyone knows. Non-fungible roster spots. <laughs> right. And like everyone knows that DC is over now. So the price, if anything, yeah. like just like Atlanta going to Colorado – Colorado's like, hey, you guys are in trouble. We know we can ask for more than normal. And also we know that the supply is very low, so we can ask for more because of that. DC's going to face that same thing, except maybe slightly amped up because Atlanta just made one of the last possible moves. So DC is even closer to the end of the the line on this. Having to do that twice becomes a real – that like as much as we say don't really worry about international spots, if you've got to trade for two, um, you're giving up a ton of money – all of a sudden over that issue. So I I feel like what we're more likely to see is some of these younger players who are not quite 100% ready to play MLS minutes every single week. It might be them shoveling back and forth if they can. I know from uh, a few weeks ago, we got to speak with um, Ryan Martin and Stuart Mares about Loudon's plans for the year. And they said that basically Loudon is kind of they want to plan their season as if they can't make that kind of move on a regular basis because of the protocol uh, differences between the leagues. So it might be rockier than we think, but on the other hand, it might be a good idea to, you know, maybe say for three months, you're going to be up here with us and you're going to be down here with them. And then after the three months, if you say, Oh, Sorga's only played like 150 minutes, uh, we got to get him more playing time. Then you switch them um, so that, you know, now Sorga's starting full-time because at Loudon, I think he would be the unquestioned uh, first choice. Um, Bolivar, I can't say because, like, literally none of us have seen 
right. a second no. of him playing. Um, but maybe he comes up and he's playing those Sorga minutes uh, while Sorga's getting more time. But that's just that's how I would ha- handle it if it's football manager. It's much more complicated to handle it in real life with yes. COVID protocols and and this, that, and third. So right. it's just one way to get around the fact that, yeah, you sign Roberta, and if you don't have green cards coming very soon, you've got a very expensive problem if you have to get two. If you have to get one, it's something you can stomach. Two, that's tough. Right. And so Sorga and, and Bolivar have some time to to battle this out. I don't even know if Bolivar's in camp yet. Um, I don't think he is yet. I think it's still, he's v- still waiting his seem visa. To be, yeah, work visas, visas seem to be slow. taking a little longer right now than they have in years past. Uh, and it could be a few weeks before Roberta shows up. So he might not be ready for the 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 season opener. He might we'll, not be we'll eligible for the season opener. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll we'll have to see. But uh, eventually he will he will be playing for DC United. Uh, unfortunately, the same can't be said for Rodney Wallace at this point. He has been released from camp uh, per Steve Goff again. Um, obviously, he started his pro career with DC. He's a Maryland guy through and through. Uh, went to UMD. Grew up in the DC suburbs. Um, would have loved to see him back. Uh, you guys know I love a left-footed player, and um, Rodney Wallace going going back to those uh, th- those fun years um, when he and Chris Pontius were young guys lighting the league up. Um, doesn't look like we're going to get back to that. However, Andy Nahar remains in camp. Maybe he gets a signature, or maybe he gets a spot, um, like we talked about in the last segment. It seems like there's a decent chance of that, just because the the content team, the media team, is. Uh, putting him out there in videos and and such so uh crossing fingers on that because we we love andy i will always love andy yeah always and on that note i think that's that's a pretty positive note to end the show we we don't always get to do that so go us (laughs) go this week uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, of course, we're on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu for the website. Uh, find us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, download, subscribe. Ratings and reviews, I'm told, are very important. So please do that. Uh, also, please tell a friend about the show. Tell them about the the great chat we had with Seb Nasty in the first segment. And uh Make sure you spread that name, Seb Nasty. I never want that to go away. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Hashtag bring Andy home. <laughs>